Welcome to the Unbreakable and Fearless Podcast. I'm JC, current collegiate student athlete and owner of Unbreakable Female Athlete. Candice, current college coach and owner of Fearless and Capable. We are teaming up to bring perspectives as a coach and as an athlete that hit on topics and issues that we face as women in sport. Join us as we build on a friendship of more than 10 years and get real about what is happening. And how we can make tomorrow better for women in sports. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I am honestly a little tired. I have been in Arizona for four days. I got back last night with my A license. Um, so 27 college coaches in one space and, you know, a handful of instructors. So lots of learning, lots of long nights watching film and analyzing and discussions. So energized to be back speaking with you, but certainly in almost this overload of info and the need to take some time to process everything that happened in the last four days. So what about you? Can only imagine. Good. Um, We have our first race upcoming this next week. So that's exciting. And then I also spoke last night at the Women League Change event, which I was really excited about. Um, It was really cool. I got to just speak on being an athlete at the University of Iowa, kind of trying to honor and continue Christine Grant's, Dr. Christine Grant's um, legacy, and then kind of just speak about Unbreakable Female Athlete and what it means to me and how I even developed that. So it was really cool. It was really fun. A lot of people who obviously were there were on the same mindset and page as trying to advance forward um, women in sport. So that was exciting. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, that it um I saw a picture of your mom on social media giving a shout out of how proud she was of you. So she was crying. I, I did see some tears come out of her. <laughs> that's good though. Yeah. Oh, that's we the support systems are important when we're doing this stuff. So wonderful. I, I'm sure you nailed it. I'm sure it was fantastic. So well wonderful. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, when we talk about tears and emotion. Um, I was going to say, so, uh, not honestly segueing in that way at all, but that worked perfectly. Uh, again, we look like geniuses even when we don't know it. Um, but certainly, you know, emotions are a part of the game and um, a part of any sport. We feel things. And I know there's always, not always, I shouldn't say that, there's environments where having emotion, showing emotion is is okay and accepted and but there's certainly still a stigma when it comes to emotions that can be displayed, emotions that can be allowed to be felt. Um, mm-hmm. And the, you know, how long should you feel that emotion before you start to move on and, and all of these things. So I'll ask you, how do you feel in a more general sense that emotions impacts, let's go with performance. So emotion into your performance you know, on their, how is that, how's that impacting you? Um, I think that emotion, it's like, it's draining, obviously, like emotions are draining, but they're necessary. Like you can't just push aside emotions. Nobody can. Um, I think that that's like the reality is everyone feels something and some people feel more, some people feel less. 
that doesn't I mean that doesn't take away from the people that do feel more that do feel less but it's definitely sometimes difficult you you can't just shove those emotions aside and when you are feeling emotions I mean even for me like it, it does definitely I see an impact in my performance um when I'm feeling you know like frustrated upset I'm feeling anxious it doesn't really matter what emotion it is it mm -hmm. usually is if it's a negative one not saying not want to say that it's a negative to feel that way but like it is negatively impacting my performance um mm -hmm. I think pushing those aside and shoving those aside yeah makes your mental health and your performance deteriorate even more so I do think that it's important to feel emotion but I will say sometimes it does impact my performance um physically uh, yeah and I think sometimes the impact then is sometimes not seen in the initial like I might not see the negative self-talk or the negative feelings and again again I think you're you're hitting something very crucial we're not saying a feeling is negative but the consequence of the feeling is a, a decrease in performance it can sometimes be really slow and gradual so as coaches you know, I might not see a frustration and anger and, and that could be outside of even whatever's going on in the sport. It can be in their academics, whatever. I might not see a decline in performance really at the get go, but it just might be that slow moving less and less each time and and trying to figure out why this is happening. And it, and it could be how they're feeling and what well, it's doing say, to your performance. So I think that's a really. Yeah, sorry to like jump in, but I will say like, I want to like add on to that. It's just like chipping away. Like I my and I've talked mm -hmm. about anxiety, but for a year now, I've, I had been struggling, struggling with my anxiety. And like, at first it was just kind of, you know, it was just there, like I was anxious, but then it continues to eat away at you slowly more and more. And you try and push it off. and it makes it worse. Like I completely found that it had made it worse to the point where I was overwhelmed and consumed with anxiety all the yeah. time. And mm -hmm. it's something that like, I think that as a coach, it's difficult to recognize in all of your athletes. But again, like mm -hmm. you have to find a way to get to know your athletes, understand your athletes, their emotions, because everyone portrays their emotions differently, right? Like, we're not all going to 100%. cry and some people cry at things some people laugh at things <laughs> and you could be laughing and you're upset but you're trying to hide that emotion and push that emotion away mm -hmm. and so being able to recognize and understand that someone is struggling and they need support because it does like you had said it just chips away at you more and more until next mm -hmm. thing you know you don't know why you're struggling so bad you've just spiraled so far down right and one of the areas that I have taken time to try to understand, and let's pick the anxiety category. Anxiety is not something that will be eliminated. Mm -hmm. You manage it. Mm -hmm. You learn to manage it. Uh, frustration is not a feeling that we can just completely separate from. You have to manage it. Uh, even joy. So like on a sideline, if we score a goal, I am excited. But as soon as the that one mo moment of joy comes in, 
I do have a choice and I have to be responsible in my role as the coach to almost manage the joy because there's still time on the clock that has an impact to the match. And so I can't get into that too far. Can I get into it more after the game is over? Sure. A hundred percent, but I can't necessarily even get into it in the moment too much because I have to manage what is the next thing I need to get into. So it's not about eliminating. And I think that's been the conversation with all of these emotions is don't, we're not saying remove it. We're not saying push it away. We've got to find ways to manage these things. And it does look different for every person. And you're right. Like the ability for me to see what it looks like in JC versus me seeing it as a coach and another player I think you, the laughing and the crying are perfect examples because the assumption from a coach is the player that's crying, she must have all these emotions that are bringing her down. And the player that's laughing must have all these emotions and feelings that are bringing her up, which is complete BS because it actually could be both. The person crying could be doing a great job and a great thing for herself to bring herself up with the person laughing is just masking it. And so I do, I think that's almost a prime example of coaches that are things we can behaviorally sometimes see, but the interpretation that comes within our own subjective ways without getting the information, which is from the athletes. And that goes back to so many things we've talked about of creating the, the trust and the rapport to have your athletes be comfortable and saying, here's where I'm at today. Here's how I'm showing up today and encouraging them to learn to manage it because your anxiety is not going away. Mine isn't going away. I don't expect it to, but how can I manage it to perform in a way that it sometimes helps me? Me yeah. being like anxious about something means I care. And that's a, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm but I can't let it overwhelm me that I can't, I get frozen. I can't keep moving in a direction. Yeah, there's a healthy so, yes, there is. And, there there really is. and so, <laughs> yeah, I think in, that was one of the discussions. Uh, so I was at, and I text you at the retreat. Um, so I went to this woman's retreat that purely on the, the business side, this is not related to my role as a coach. And like, I could sense things coming out. Like I could feel that I was going to cry. I think I even said something to my mom or my husband, I'm going to cry at this. And I think my mom was like, maybe you need to, maybe you need to cry. Cause I don't cry very often. And I go back to, you know, the infamous line in um, a league of their own. Like there's no crying in baseball, you know, like you, you can't, you can't show it. I cried for pretty much the whole first full day. I went back to my room, I crawled in my hotel bed and I cried and I cried for hours and I said I wasn't going to go back the next day and I text the uh, facilitator. I was like, I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm like, this is too much. This is, this is too much. And I felt like I was a burden to every other woman there. For me showing emotion, I was too much of a burden. I was too much and they didn't need it. They had things to do and I was ruining it. And credit to the facilitators. She she got me feeling okay about coming back into the space. And other women cried, but it was so, I was so uncomfortable. I felt, and when I look back at it, I felt really uncomfortable. I felt dumb. I felt my imposters. I, that's all the feelings I had at the moment. I felt like there was nothing strong about me in that space. 
And that's where I collapsed in, in this feeling. And so I realized when I went into this coaching course this week, there are strengths I have. And one of the things that was really strong on the session I ran was the players. You could tell the players listened to me. They were, they were in tune. I could, I could ask them to do anything and they were totally in tune with me and felt support with me is felt engaged with me at the end of the thing. They're like, Candace, can we take a picture? They knew my co my name out of the coaches. Like there was that rapport there. And I said, though my session wasn't very good at the end of the day on a very analysis based thought process, the rapport I created, those players would have come back the next day and given me a chance to do another session. And they would have been just as engaged and excited about it. And that's an important piece. So that's been my two weeks. There's been crying highs and lows of feeling great and feeling terrible. Um, so for you, I know I text you and you said, if you're okay with this, maybe I shouldn't yeah. disclose for you that you cry weekly, but I just did. Yeah. No, that's fine. I don't care. I like, I'm telling you, I, and it's rowing, it's school, it's work. Um, I don't know what I'm doing every day. Like seriously, when I say I have no idea what I'm doing, I am learning every single day. I'm still in a sport where like, obviously I know what I'm doing when I'm rowing, but I'm still in a sport where I'm always learning. I show up every single day and it still feels new to me. Um, I'm completely learning in my business. It's not even a year old. I'm horrible at math. I have to figure out like taxes soon. I don't know how to do that. Like there are so many different things that, and I get so overwhelmed because sometimes it feels so lonely and it sucks a lot. But it's also at the end of the day, I sit back and you get messages from people who say, JC, I love your brand. Yesterday, I had a girl reach out to me and she was like, I've seen your brand everywhere. And I followed it. I've seen people repost it, but I just never felt like I could wear it because I'm not an athlete anymore. And in my seminar, I had explained how anyone can be unbreakable. Like that mindset is something that goes across all different spaces and all different realms. And so she had said that she felt like she could wear unbreakable because of my message yesterday. Well, then I started crying because I read that. And I also started crying. I don't know if you saw, there was a, um, a girl that reposted, she was a rower and I can't remember where she's from, but she said she listens to our podcast and she was like talking about our podcast and said she loved it. She was listening to performance plateaus. I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Like people are listening to us and people, you know, relate to what we're saying. And so, yeah, emotion, mm -hmm. like, I don't know where this tear started coming from. I just, you have to let it pour out because yeah. if you don't, I just sit there and I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing every single day? <laughs> and so sometimes you just yeah. have to let yourself cry. And, you know, I cry to yeah. like my roommates and they're probably mm -hmm. like, God, she's on her period again. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm just crying. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah, overwhelmed. And we'll be right back to our show. I'm Jason Hall, founder of Unbreakable Female Athlete, LLC, and current student athlete on the University of Iowa Women's Rally Team. According to a study done by Always, of more than 1,000 girls aged 16 to 24, 67% of them exclaim they feel society does not encourage girls to play sports. That's why I created Unbreakable Female Athlete. At Unbreakable Female Athlete, we work to educate, inspire, and empower girls all over the world, utilizing branded apparel. Overall, we work to cultivate a group of female athletes amongst the world under one message, Unbreakable. 
You can find our branded apparel on www.unbreakablefemaleathlete.com or Instagram at unbreakablefemaleathlete underscore. Now back to our show. Uh, do your coaches see you cry? They have seen me cry once, and I actually did say this yesterday. So my coach was there at um, my speaking event, and one day I did go into them. I will never forget this. I was so overwhelmed, anxiety to a max. So I asked them both. I texted them, and I said, hey, can I come in and speak to you? And my coach immediately, every time he texted me, he's like, yeah, what's up? Are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I did not warn him. I, I honestly didn't think I was going to cry. And it was me talking about my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I go in there and I'm like, can I meet with you and Fitzy, our other a coach? And he's like, sure. So they sit down. I sit down immediately. I'm like, so I'm really struggling. Boom, tears, anxiety. Like I'm really struggling with anxiety, <laughs> bawling. And they're probably sitting there like, you know, I'm JC. Like I'm usually happy. I'm sarcastic. I, I'm, I bully him a little bit, you know, and as a joke, but like, yeah. I, I'm always sarcastic, funny, happy. You never really see me upset. And I am bawling in front of them, just saying how I'm struggling. And immediately they were like, whatever you need, we'll get you support. We'll help you. They were really great. But yes, I have cried in front of them mm-hmm. because I, I literally could not hold it in. <laughs> like, I just, it yeah, just uh... came out. I finally got tissues in my office. Um, but I go back to, so this is something that, you know, I, this is where I feel like sports evolving and I hope it is. So the experience I had as a college athlete was crying. It was weakness. Weakness meant you weren't resilient and the doubt was cast that you could handle the responsibilities of being a division one college athlete. And I, so crying was something like you tried to hold in as long as you could when you were being just ripped apart. And even to the point that in meetings, you would sit down like the individual meetings that we had with them you would sit down on the couch and he would put the tissue box next to you. And it was this, to us, it felt like a threat. Like I'm about to try to make you cry. And I don't know what his game plan was. He's not a good person at the end of the day, but that then stuck so hard with me. And I think it's part of the reason that consciously, unconsciously, I haven't had tissues in my office when players have come and talk because I feel like I don't want them to cry (laughs) like it's a but I don't see it as as something that is a negative and so now we (laughs) I found a like like a thing of paper towels and that's what I was using I was like these poor girls I they need something (laughs) soft on their face and they're not you know my their my tears in my office are not anything towards you know look fortunately I've I think I've held a, a pretty good line of respect where they're sharing in a similar way something's in their life going on and they need help they need resources they need support uh or they're frustrated with their own play and how can you know how can I help with them because they want to play all those types of things but nothing in in any experience I had and so it sticks with you it really does and as adults and I think as coaches you know 
taking some hard looks at behaviors that we mimic consciously and unconsciously based off the people that coached us. And we got a lot, not a lot into that topic this past weekend, but, or this past week in Arizona, but we talked so much data, so much data, so much analysis, so much in the numbers, try to be objective, try to be this, try to be that. And we finally started to touch into the people management. And that part is probably the most intriguing from my side is this athlete acts like this and I have to respond this way. This athlete acts like this and I have to respond this way. And so getting others that are in this space as coaches and saying, I've got an athlete that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I help him or her uh, was something that we all agreed we could get into a little bit more. We felt so analytical but not in a way that we know I can show you everything I can show you every stat I can show you every video clip of you and we even talked about showing video clips to players and having to have an understanding to how they may see those clips and our responsibility to managing that space when they're going to see video clips of them playing and so that part was good but it's like you're coming down to a person and we don't know all the 360 context to who shows up and have they gotten the great email like you did? Have they been lifted up in the last 30 minutes before they went to training by a great message or great grade, something like that? Or do they just get destroyed by something we don't know about and their performance is showing because of the context around the individual athlete. And obviously I think that portrays to the team. So, you know, as I think as a coach to players, and maybe maybe think of two besides yourself, JC, and you know situations. Have you seen coaches not respond well to athletes' emotions? And then maybe being a teammate, what do you what did you see as the result of a coach's perhaps misstep in a response to an emotion a player showed? Do you have any thoughts yeah. or reminders or in, instances yeah, of that? Yeah, we my former coach. Um, he was, and I know I've spoke about this, but he treated us exactly like a number. Um, and you could definitely tell you would see it. And I, I honestly thought you saw it in our performance. I mean, my freshman year, we ended near last in the big 10. I think we ended seventh in the big 10. Um, he focused mainly on numbers, mainly on statistics. Well, that definitely shows, of course, we're not going to perform well when you don't let us show our emotions or feel our emotions. And it also, I felt like turned athletes against one another because you're constantly being compared to the person to the left and the right of you. So then constantly the girl to the left and the right of you, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to beat them all the time, but not in a good way. Like you're not looking at the person next to you and seeing them as a person. You're just seeing them as a number because that's what you've been told to see them as. And that's what you're being told you're being seen as. Um, to be quite frank, my previous coach that I had, I didn't even know where his office was at the University of Iowa. Uh, I didn't find out where the office was for the coaches until our new coaching staff got here because he didn't care to speak to any of us. I don't half the time. I didn't even know if he knew my name because he didn't care. I like, and, and I, it's horrible to say, but I don't think he cared about us as people or humans. He just looked at you as a number. And um, at that time, my numbers probably didn't speak to what he wanted or his standard. And 
I mean, I think that that was mainly a reflection of the fact that he just didn't even put time and effort into knowing who we were and what we were dealing with and what we were struggling with. And so at some point you kind of just think, well, if you don't care about me, why am I putting in the time and the effort? Because you're never going to see me as anything but a number. And I think that that just totally crippled our program. It crippled. I mean, we were, we basically started from like ground zero um, at like last year because of the way we had been treated and been stripped down to strictly a number. And so if any coaches are listening, I highly, highly suggest if you want a team to perform well, love each other, support each other, show up for each other, do not at all treat your athletes like a number. Um, you will quickly find that they are mm -hmm. not going to want to compete for you. They are not going to like you. Um, just putting that out there. And they're going to end up not liking each other. And that is going to screw your program up real big. So that's my words of advice. <laughs> I think it's an important thing you said at the end that they may not like you, which is a reality. I know there's athletes that don't. No matter how hard I might try to adapt or update or evolve or pivot, whatever word you want to use, my coaching styles and personalities to try to invoke something positive in their performance, it's just not going to happen. But I think the part about what it does to the individual and what it can do to the team inevitably is a huge, huge piece to this. And it's not as coaches that we can't use data. We should be. And I think that was the biggest thing that we all try to remember is that the data helps to give us informed decisions. It tries to take our bias because listen, I only got two eyes and I'm fortunate. I guess I have two eyes and, and some don't in that capacity, but you know, what I observe on the field is what my lens tells me. And so I have to try to find ways to use data so that I'm not creating bias to a player to a circumstance. And so it's positive in that way to our ability. But when we transfer that mindset to who our athletes are, we and we, we treat them like robots, I think is what you've said in the past, we lose it. Like we absolutely use that ability because I mean, <laughs> you think about situations where one of the using a word I don't love, the least talented in the moment athlete mm -hmm. when and you, you, you know, you look at it and say, okay, this is the one that in average provides the least um, impact. They find the moment in the biggest moment to make it, you know, in our game one Oh, you know, they score the goal in their two minutes of playing time, you know, and you're just like, Whoa, like how, how do you not like, you can't predict that, you know, you're not sitting there going, this is what it is. You don't know their people. They, you just, you can't read and anticipate what they're always going to show up as. So I think the other thing that I'd be interested, I know in our, our environments, I try to put different scenarios. So, okay, we're going to play a game. This team is up 1-0 mm -hmm. to start the activity. So this team, the emotion of already knowing I have to fight back or I have to hold this lead is something I try to mimic. Nothing can mimic the real, real game day, performance day, race day. It can't, nothing can match it. But when can we get close to them having to manage emotions? 
Um, what do you think about activities like that? How do you as athletes look at things where, or have you had that experience where we, we kind of already put the emotional tug on you to start? Yeah. Um, two things. One, when you were saying like analyzing data, our coach who he's been great about, like, he takes the data and obviously like, especially in erg season, you're going to have to use data because that's strictly what erg season is, mm -hmm. but he takes the data and analyzes the trends in it. So like speaking with us and seeing yep. what's going on in our lives at this time. So when you pulled this number, what did you have going on? Um, you know, sleep, food, but also just like school, mental health, like what, and, and when you're mm -hmm. having bad days, you know, the same goes for that. But in terms of like situations, yeah, our, we have uh, practices where they'll start a boat like length up. And so you're, you're starting length down and you have to fight to get back or you're on the mm -hmm. other side and you're starting length up and you have to hold that lead and, you know, try and extend it even more. And I, mm -hmm. I love that. I think it makes you fight. It makes you, you know, tougher, stronger. I, I, I've found that that's successful, but I also love, and what's fun about our crews right now is our speeds are quite fast. And so usually if we can, we'll line up boats just straight across and it's just go, go, go. Everyone is kind of going against one another and it is the most fun thing to see. I mean, I wish, sometimes yeah. I wish I was on the outside watching it because it would be really cool to see, you know, you've got six boats going down the Iowa river that are just battling as hard as they can. And sometimes you can't tell because rowing, the whole sport of it is to try and look cohesive and together and not like it's hard, which is kind of interesting is it's mm -hmm. not supposed to look like it's hard, but That's like inside, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Inside you are, you know, you're grinding, you're dying. You can hear you, every girl in the boat that you're in and the boats next to you, like huffing, puffing, grunting, you know, pulling on that oar as hard as they can. Um, and that's kind of the emotion that I love. Like that's where those are the emotions mm -hmm. that you can just feel everyone is working hard and uplifting one mm -hmm. another because I know the girls in the boats to the left and the right of me are pulling as hard as they can because they want to beat my boat. And I know that every girl in my boat is pulling as hard as they can because they want to beat the boats next to them. But then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're all pulling hard for each other because we're all making each other faster. But like you can feel yeah. the emotion of everyone, which is really cool. And yeah. I think our coaches have even said that, like you can just see in the boats and it's just the way the boat moves and the way everyone moves together that everyone is putting so much of themselves into it. So that's kind of like yeah. the emotion that I see the most. Um, yeah. I don't know how you'd relate it back to soccer. I mean, actually I do know how you could relate it, but <laughs> yeah, well, I think what, in that whole bit you just said about the boats being lined up and everyone's racing and you talked about who you could hear. So you could, you talked about yourself, you talked about the the others in your boat, and then you talked about those that you're competing in. You never once talked about the coach and how the coach's emotions or responses and behaviors in the moment are influencing what's going on in your boat or the boat that's next to you. And I think that is a very, very crucial piece in coaching is remembering the situations where we set up the ability for the athletes to own, own the emotion, own the consequence, own the process. And, you know, that's, I think, part of getting into, you know, where I, when I coached you, it was a youth game and parents' responses on the sideline. I mean, you know how I felt about that. I made it very apparent to everyone how when they were negative, 
the, the consequences that would be inevitable to the players' performances. And it's not hard, unfortunately, unfortunately now to look at people that were your teammates. And I knew I could control the two hours as much as I could to the responses I would have and the environment. But as soon as you left that environment, I could not control how the parents spoke about the emotional piece and what they showed and how they allowed the players to digest the emotions of a match or a training session. And so as someone recruiting now and looking at these young women, you know, those that can talk about their best days, those that can share, you know, one of the first things I typically do on a call is like, how's the day been? What have you been up to? I had a test. How'd the test go? And those that are like, oh, yeah, or it went great, you know, and I'm like, oh, why do you feel like it went great? Like, what are some of the things you do? And, you know, getting to know their processes, how they hear and feel about things. Those are important. Like, those don't in any way show me strength. They show me strength and character and and human qualities, to be really honest, which is what I'm going to have to deal with, (laughs) regardless of the soccer that they're skill wise is going to be able to produce on the field with you know obviously development in mind but it's just it's amazing how I think younger parents and that would be one of the reasons that you know I would hope this podcast could get to parents of younger athletes preparing them to look at the college you know arena knowing that I'm NAIA and you're division one you know that there's a lot of things that cross regardless of the competitive levels the pathways whatever um, scholarship opportunities, all of that, it's that these are people. And our our responsibility as coaches is so, so instrumental to how the athlete will leave our program and the feelings they have, the way they go into the world. It's, it's huge. I, I, I will kind of turn it over to you for some kind of more closing thoughts, but I want to give this one example that I heard this weekend. Um, So one of our instructors, our educators is telling us about a player he had who wants to be like a, I think a nurse or a doctor. Long story short, she was in an ER situation. The doctor asked her for a certain tool. She literally dropped the whole pan of tools. Okay. And this is the ER, the scalp, something big on the head is open and they need to act. And she's crying and the doctor screams at her to get out. And you know, she's crying outside of the room, blah, blah, blah. He comes out to her and says, listen, I'm good to talk to you here. In there, if I don't get what I need to get done in six seconds, the patient dies. So where do can we manage our emotions to help the situation so that we don't lose it in six seconds? We related it back to you're up or you're tied zero zero. There's a free kick at the end of the game. And in six seconds, they score a winning goal and you lose it. You just need a second. Like, so the game, the game of sports, what sports gives you in playing a game can absolutely relate to life. And so it's not about remove all the emotions, but manage it, manage what you can try to be locked in. And the only way we do that is by giving support and practicing it. That's one of my beliefs, but you w- how do, from your opinion, a lot of like, well, well, sound like a cave, cave person there. Uh, what from your side, JC, are, are some bigger takeaways for listeners when it comes to the stigma of emotions um, from the athlete's side? 
and we will be right back to our show. Fearless and Capable is a mentorship program specifically geared for women and girls working and participating in sport. A monthly membership allows you to access all of the resources, courses, workshop events, and team huddles that you can get in a month's time to support what you want to achieve in life. Our one-on-one mentoring services allows you to do a deep dive to meet with women across the industry that have gone through what you are going through and want to help and support you to achieve your ideals in your life and your career. You can check out more at fearlessandcapable.com and certainly follow us on all our social media channels at Fearless Capable. Now back to our show. I think just let your athletes feel. Um, We've talked about it a lot because it does impact performance. It does impact how your team does overall. And like you said, yes, there are times where we have to manage it because it doesn't go away. It, it, in my experience, I don't think it will go away for anyone ever unless we have some like major changes in like technology, which who knows, you know. So um, I think that yeah. we need to find ways to allow athletes to feel in the ways that they need to feel and express emotions and know that it will help up. It will uplift your game. It's not going to, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of coaches have been in the mindset and I hope we're going away from this, but in the mindset that emotions are going to tear down a team or, you know, putting that's putting too much of your actual personal self into the sport. Well, I mean, it's, it's your job. Like right now as a division one athlete, being a rower is my job. And so you're getting all of me. You're getting my emotions. You're getting my, my good emotions, mm-hmm. my bad emotions. But if you're going to get my good emotions, you're going to have to get my bad emotions. And if you're going to get me pl- or competing well and competing as hard as I can, you're also going to get the days where I'm doing shit because I'm human. So allowing people to feel yeah. that is the biggest thing. And I think as coaches remembering that we don't, if, if emotions and managing, having that emotional intelligence, let's just summarize it that way. If emotional intelligence is not a strong skill set for you, don't go in thinking you have all the answers. Go find support. Go talk to the counselors on campus. If you can hire mental health skills coaches, you know, there's programs out there, uh, happy for any listener to reach out and I'll give you some programs if your budget allows for varieties of different fees but coaches have skill sets and sometimes the skill sets are not helping athletes manage emotions to make it a performance that they can be proud of and so allowing the feelings and helping to support might not be your strong suit so acknowledging it and allowing the athletes to feel what they need to feel and then provide the supports around I think is a huge piece, but I, I, I always strive to go, we can't do everything. We don't know how to do everything. And even if what my skill set does helps you, JC, it's not necessarily going to say it's going to help your, your teammates. So coaches just be honest, be reflective, get feedback. Like I, that's the biggest thing that I've tried to get is it's like, is this helping you? And sometimes they're like, nope. And I'm like, thank you for being honest. <laughs> But it's helpful to go, this isn't helping me. And I'm like, okay, then let's figure out if we can find a way to, to do this and, and we will. So 
I think that's a great point to to end on JC is that space to be able to feel and allow them to do that. So, well, good. Um, I'm just excited I didn't cry on today's call because I felt like I there's always a chance right now. Um, but if I did, you made me feel comfortable to do so. So thank you. <laughs> hey, that's good. You know what? Me too. I'm telling you, I just break down all the time. So if anyone listening, if you send me a message saying that you're listening, <laughs> just know it will... Um, bring out the tears in me which is totally fine it makes my day like I was it made me so happy and I just was crying yeah yeah it's good no it is it's people all over the world are listening now JC and I think that you know the, what you and I are hoping to do with unbreakable with fearless like this is there's strong words and it doesn't mean the strength is always in a way of uh, what people perceive it to be. It's in the absolute most vulnerable emotional feeling of, I am so scared of the next thing and I can still take a step forward. Yep. 100%. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I try to not use the word, but too much. I try to put and in there. So <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. I'm going to try. So, well, until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unbreakable and Fearless podcast. JC and I are working to make the conversations between coaches and players more productive and honest. We would love for you to subscribe to Unbreakable and Fearless wherever you find your podcast. Like what you hear today and share the show with your colleagues, friends, and family. Interested in learning more about JC? Visit www.unbreakablefemaleathlete.com. Want to check out what Candace is up to? Then visit www.fearlessandcapable.com. More episodes to come, and until then, embrace the unbreakable and fearless spirit.